Okay, so hopefully they've all got bingo cards. You can see on there, guys, um, some of you got a grid with all nine fruits of the Spirit. Some of you got a grid with six, and some of you got a grid with three. If you let your adult help you read, if you need help, that would be good. Um, and as I go through, um, just try and tally how many times you hear me say those words, okay? I'm not going to say the words because that's going to be part of this in a minute, all right? I've got a mate, this is fine. Right, so, uh, good morning. If you don't know me, which I think most of you do, um, I'm Vanessa. I'm married to Pete. We've been members of Beacon for about five years now. Um, we love being able to call you guys our church family, and it's a real privilege to be able to be up here talking to you this morning about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, contrary to what Pete said last week, we're still very much in the middle of our series on the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know whether to be upset about that or not, because he'd already heard my, my talk before he said that, and I was like, oh, did you listen, did you not, who knows. Um, but as Steve explained a few weeks back, the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, um, all equally one eternal God but all three different persons with different roles. We're going to look at two verses in Galatians chapter 5, which Anna read earlier, and they outline what the fruit of the Spirit is. So hopefully the children are all settled now. They've all got their cards and their pencils. Uh, keep your tally as I go. This is going to start imminently in a moment. Okay. Before I start saying the words, can anyone tell me the nine fruits of the Spirit? You can just shout them out. Casey, go for it. Excellent. Good girl. Thank you so much. Well done, Sheila, also. Um, so, as the video explained earlier, the book of Galatians is a letter written by a man named Paul. Um, and in this book, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, pencils ready, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Slide up. I'm going to break our time into three sections, so three questions. One, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Two, what can we do to help fruit grow in our lives? And three, who really brings the growth? So the first one, what is the fruit of the Spirit? The first thing to note is that Paul is speaking about the fruit singular, not fruits plural. The fruit of the Spirit is one thing, and the different elements that are listed are all part of the whole. Aside from Galatians, we can see references to fruit elsewhere in the New Testament. All four of the gospel writers draw upon that fruit metaphor numerous times. In both Matthew and Luke's gospels, Jesus says that a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Paul's other letters to the Romans, the Philippians, and Colossians also include references to fruit and encourage the congregations to be fruitful. Ultimately, Jesus is our perfect example, and we can look to him to see the fruit of the Spirit displayed. Paul explains in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit has nine different elements. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can see in the Bible examples from Jesus' life which help us understand each of those elements individually. Now, last week, Bob mentioned that Steve advised him to not give a list. Steve did not give me any such advice, so here is my list. We'll start with love. Often we're sold a version of love that is really easy and delightful. I hope we all know that reality can be really different. To love someone is costly, and we may need to keep choosing to love someone despite setbacks and challenges. God tells us plainly that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. To love is to sacrifice, and we can be prepared that when we truly love those around us, it will cost us and most likely be difficult and sometimes uncomfortable. 
Secondly, joy. Sometimes we confuse joy with happiness. The two are very different. Happiness can be fleeting and is often dependent upon external circumstances. Joy, as an element of the fruit of the Spirit, is a deep-seated knowledge that God will fulfill his promises. Psalm 16, verse 11, states that in your presence there is fullness of joy. To claim this joy as our own, we must look beyond our present circumstances to the promises that God has made and know that he is faithful. Jesus exhibits this perfectly in Hebrews 12, verse 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Thirdly, peace. In John 14, verse 27, we see a clear explanation of peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace that is an element of the fruit of the Spirit does the opposite of troubling our hearts and causing fear. Peace stills conflict. And we can aim to be those who bring peace in our situations rather than discord. Fourthly, patience. Possibly the most troubling of attributes to grow in. Uh, in the New Testament, when patience is mentioned, it is often alongside endurance or bearing with one another. Jesus is perfectly patient. He is patient with his disciples, with the crowds. The one that I need to personally grow in an awful lot with little children. He remains patient through the sufferings of his trial and his crucifixion. Jesus remains patient even when he suffered injustices. Fifthly, kindness. In the New Testament, we see that kindness is often a meeting of needs. In Acts, Paul tells the people of Lystra that God has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. We can often consider ourselves as kind because we help someone or we say something nice. But I think the biblical example of kindness challenges us to meet the basic needs of those around us, which can be difficult and requires sacrifice. Goodness, this is a tricky concept. I remember when I was a teenager, before I was a Christian, I used to think I was good. They can ask my mother afterwards. She's over there, if she agrees. Hello. No, you can keep the pencil for now, darling. Um, I worked hard at school. Uh, I played hockey. I played in the jazz band and the concert band. I never drank before I was 18. Um, I never stayed out late. I was brilliant. Hey, Daddy, a picture. Here we go. Um, I thought I was really good. But... When I became a Christian, I realized that what I was comparing myself to when I concluded I was good was all wrong. Jesus is good. God is good. There is purity and holiness wrapped up in goodness that we can work towards, thank you, but are not inherently able to be. Faithfulness. Um, there are many synonyms which can help us better understand faithfulness. To be faithful means to be loyal, trustworthy, dedicated, and steadfast. To be faithful means to stick by someone or at something, regardless of whether it is easy or hard. It's a good example there. We see faithfulness to his father in Matthew 26, verse 42. My, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Okay, penultimate one. Gentleness. We often perceive being soft and gentle as a feminine virtue and sometimes as a weakness. I disagree with this perception, and so does Paul in his New Testament letters. Paul highlights that we are to let our gentleness be evident to all, to clothe ourselves with gentleness, and to pursue gentleness. The opposite of gentleness is probably close to hard-heartedness, and there's quite a few warnings against this in the Old Testament. We ought to heed Paul's encouragement and check that we are conducting ourselves gently and softly rather than strong and defensively. Finally, self-control. In Titus 2, verses 11 and 12, Paul says... 
For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Being self-controlled and disciplined is a good, godly endeavor. And personally, I think that self-control, though really, really hard in the moment, often leads to joy and contentment in the long run. It is hard to be self-controlled, but gives us satisfaction later on. Okay, kids, we're more than halfway through. So keep focused on your little bingo cards. We're nearly there. So the last two questions. Now we've established what the fruit of the Spirit is. Like me, I'm sure you're all feeling this is really unachievable, trying to do all those things all the time. In our own strength, it is. It is impossible. But there are some steps that we can take to prepare ourselves for the fruit of the Spirit to grow. So let's look at the second question. What can we do to help fruit grow in our lives? Now, if you've had the pleasure of talking to me recently after church, I most likely would have told you about my new allotment. Um, If you don't already know, I'm the proud co-owner of an allotment at the back of our village with my father-in-law, Steve, who's over in the back there. We've established what I like to think of as an equal partnership. Steve is a landscape gardener. Um, He's been digging, digging, weeding, mulching, netting, removing debris, constructing trellis, and much more that I don't understand. I, a qualified secondary school teacher, have been reading books about the allotment. I have been thinking about the allotment. Um, I've been making occasional trips to the allotment, mainly to plant some seeds and plants and prevent my children from smashing up all of granddad's hard work. Um, What I lack in knowledge and skills, I am more than making up for an enthusiasm. Steve had to explain to me a few weeks back that smothering the base of raspberry canes is not really considered mulching so much as setting the scene for rot, Um, but I'm keen to learn. Uh, Steve and I are both setting the stage for growth to happen at our allotment. We are working to ensure that the ground is ready and the right structures are in place to support growth. Likewise, when we consider how to help the fruit of the spirit grow in our lives, we all must be active and set the stage for growth. The first thing we can do, uh, like Mel was saying earlier with her trees and branches, if we wouldn't call ourselves a Christian, we can accept Jesus into our lives. We can choose to turn away from our old ways and instead choose to follow him. If this is something that you would like to do, but you have absolutely no idea how to go about doing that, please come and speak to one of us at the end. We would love to talk to you about Jesus, how much he loves you, and how following him can give you life in all its fullness. The next step we can take, once we've decided to follow Jesus, is to read the Bible. As Mel and the kids explained earlier, reading the Bible and learning about God will help us grow closer to him and enable the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives. We can pray, we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us change our thoughts and attitudes, we can seek his help in certain situations or behaviours that we may feel trapped in. Praying will inevitably lead to growth in our lives as we spend time with God, listening to him and allowing his spirit to work in our hearts. Finally, we can surround ourselves with people who share our faith in Jesus. Living in community with other Christians helps to hold us accountable and helps to build us up and encourage us. Finally then, the last question... Who really brings the growth? It's a short and simple answer. God. God is the only one who can bring the growth. He is able to do far more than we can. And if you share my faith in Jesus, you'll agree, God is the only one who's able to bring change and growth in our lives. The Holy Spirit works in us to bring about change. And then we slowly start to become more like Jesus, who is our perfect example. God is able to bring growth without our help. But because he loves us perfectly and is gracious, he gives us the opportunity to partner with him to become more like Jesus. God invites us to co-labor with him to set the stage for growth. And in so doing, we learn more about him by reading our Bible. We experience all the fruit of the Spirit by spending time in his presence. And we start to live life as he intended. 
in all its fullness, enjoying right relationship with him. So the takeaway from this morning, before we count up words, is if you don't know Jesus and you want your life to look full of the fruit of the Spirit, make the decision to turn away from your old life and choose to follow him. Please do come and speak to one of us about this if you'd like to. For those of us who are following church, um, following Jesus, sorry, in church, I want to ask you to encourage someone else in church this week. Send a message, call someone, meet up for coffee, ask them, how are you partnering with God to see the fruit grow in your lives? Okay, some of the children were definitely listening more than some of the other children. So, did anyone want to come up the front and tell me how many times? Kai, there's a tentative hand there. Anna, Casey, yeah, you, Esme, you four come up. Seems like a safe bet, this lot. Okay, let's do a few each. Oh, wonderful. Can we give the kids a round of applause? Um, and thank you very much. I think I'm handing over to Steve.